0: Wait, speaking of land the plane, we've got to wrap this episode up. We've been talking for hours. (laughs) Okay. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today is our Stephen King
1: special. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about Stephen King. Why do we love his books and what makes him so popular? We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find our perfect listening audience. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm great. I am really good. I cannot wait to talk about Stephen King. I
0: know. This is one of our episodes that we've had on the docket since we literally started this podcast. Yes. So I am buzzing. I cannot wait. Also, I got a special delivery just now. My husband walked Oh, you in. did? Well, I don't know what it is. It's a book. So he's like, he handed it to me. I'm like, oh. let's take a peek. Re- Real-time book mail. Real-time book mail. It's from our friends at Simon & Schuster. And it's called The High House by Jesse Greengrass. And it looks like there's a crane on it. This comes out see. in uh, January
1: 2022. <gasps> oh. Nice, right? Those are my favorite and I don't know the difference between cranes and herons. Oh, you're right. But neither they're do They're always, yeah, they're always at the lake we where we go. We have those too, Yeah. And I have um, two print copies that I ordered for our wall up there. Oh, really? And I wait, yes, I waited six months during COVID for right, Pottery because- Barn to get them in. Mm-hmm. I love those birds. Aww, I need that to makes actually. Me happy. I do. It's, It's a single Google away for me to find out the difference between a crane and a heron. And I I haven't done it. Sometimes
0: it it just feels like that. It's too much. You know, it just
1: there's too many other things to Google. Best to leave the mystery in your brain sometimes. But I do love those birds. That looks like a mystery. I wonder if it is. I'll read. This is our bonus shelf edition. Oh,
0: it's a climate disaster. Oh, Oh, you know, I love my new climate. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway. I'm trying to okay. like quickly read, but like, I like of course that you shared that with us. I know
1: John like comes running in. And he's like handing me something. I'm like what is it? <laughs> I'm like, oh okay. I just started getting some print book mail, mm-hmm. and so I mean just recently. So now every day I'm like peeking on the porch, oh. and then. There's usually nothing there. <laughs> You're like, but Hi. it's tr- on the days there is. I love it. It's truly my favorite thing
0: ever. I live for book mail, and I don't get it every day, but I get it a couple times a week typically, and I'm like, <gasps> what is here? So anyway, thanks I to know. Simon and Schuster for that one. So tell me, how has your fall reading been going?
1: Really good. I think I got just a teeny bit off track mm-hmm. only because I wanted to read a couple different Stephen King. Got it right. I'm definitely going to tell you about one of them. I can also quick tell you about another one, which I did spend time reading, but then I didn't love. But I'm happy with my fall reading mm-hmm. so far, especially September. I think it was my best reading month ever. That's exciting, yes, ever. like quality and quantity. I don't usually care about quantity on my mm-hmm. monthly reading, but I just kept going, yeah, and you know, I, I just- didn't get in any slumps. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling any? lagging Mm -hmm. or slumping. I feel the same way. I feel like when I'm
0: reading a lot, I want to keep reading, like Mm -hmm. reading begets reading, right? Like the more you read, you're like, okay, I want to keep going. I want to keep moving. My fall reading has been awesome. I've been doing pretty well with almost all spooky, creepy, thrilling reads. Not on, I guess it is on purpose, but I feel like every year I set out to read creepy reads, but this year I'm actually doing it, so I'm feeling me too. Pretty proud, and thanks to the podcast, probably for us <laughs> being able to focus like that.
1: True, and I am glad that I have crossed some of those off my list yes. that I've been wanting yes. to read every fall. But I am really, I don't, I am really in the actual mood to read those. Yes. Even though mm-hmm. the previous falls, I always say I'm in the mood. Yep and then don't do it. Mm-hmm. I actually am this time. in the mood and and reading those types of books right now. So I'm happy about that. Yeah,
0: this morning I so I finished the two books I was reading. I'm going to tell you about one of them right now. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have nothing. I'm in between books because usually, you know me, I'm reading two, three books at a given time. I just happened to finish two yesterday and I'm like, "What do I have? What do I do?" And then I kind of sat there and was like, "All right, what am I in the mood for?" And right away I'm like, "I need a thriller. I need like a classic, thrilling I don't care if it's popcorn and kind of goofy. Like, I want a thriller. So I picked up Five Strangers by. Oh,
1: you did? By somebody. Somebody
0: wrote it. Five Strangers by E. V. Adamson, which I did talk about, I believe, in our October Mm -hmm. books on the radar. Right. Anyway, you'll hear about it, I'm sure, at some point, but it was exactly what the doctor ordered. I'm like, okay, I got my thriller.
1: Okay, good. I want to hear about that. That's definitely on my TBR. I just finished a book, as you know that I'll bring here shortly. Um literally, literally like literally we were like we ready down. to
0: record She's like okay I have four pages left. <laughs> I'm like okay, let's do let's wait.
1: But now I'm I will ask myself that question as soon as I'm done mm-hmm. recording, what am I in the mood what for am now? I in the mood for? Yes, right in this moment. So it was really fun
0: to like have that break cuz mm-hmm. usually I'm like always I don't know reading towards something. But anyway,
1: I just thought I'd share that. What you're loving lately? I thought about this, mm-hmm. and actually I don't know why I haven't brought this sooner, but I am going to bring the good news movement oh okay. yes yes okay uh-huh. there so I discovered them on Instagram the account is at good news underscore movement as everyone knows Instagram was down this week well w- as, as of-, of our recording Instagram was down this week, so I did go out and check and they do have a website, the good news movement because I love this account. It is all good news. Mm -hmm. So I know anytime it crosses my feed, anytime if I feel like I haven't seen it for a while, I will go and search it out and just read through their recent posts. It's always good news. There will never be anything on this site that is not good news. And it makes me feel so just good. I'm one of those people that I do watch Good Morning America in the morning when I have my coffee. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel more stressed after I hear some of the yep. news stories. And that's, the, mm-hmm. that's really the only news I watch because I tend to think about things, like, on repeat if I hear doom and gloom yeah. constantly. You'll ruminate. So I do. And this one is just so good. I have watched some of their stories, um, not their stories, their posts that were videos that have made me cry. They, but they were just because they were so happy. Yeah. But I feel and, like you
0: need that sometimes. Like you need a little good news in yes. your life. And, and yes. you know, it's a balance. You still want to know what's going on in the world. But every once in a while, it's nice to know, okay, I'm going to go to this account specifically to get
1: a little boost. Right. Well, and I love that this was founded by a woman. Oh, good. And yes, she, had, she was a journalist. What well, was or is a journalist who had an interest in good news and the power of positivity. Now it's currently run by two women, people all over the world, send in their good news stories. That's it. It's that simple. They have f- over 3 million followers on Instagram. I just, I love it. If you need a bright spot of throughout your day, pull it up, go to their website. Actually, it would be even worth joining instagram not only if you're not there but maybe popping on bookstagram Mm -hmm. but then just join for this it's it's very worth it it's the good news movement
0: excellent i'm glad you brought that i've seen you share some of their videos in your story which is great you know i'm all about sharing content that we find Mm -hmm. that we like
1: Yeah. What is what are you loving lately? It's so funny
0: because I feel like, gosh, we do this all the time. There's a little serendipity and we're on the same wavelength Ah. because mine is a TikTok account slash Instagram account slash podcast. Ooh. So this is Books in the Freezer. Have you heard of her?
1: No. No, no.
0: Tell me more. Books in the Freezer is run by Stephanie. I'm like low-key obsessed with her. I just love (laughs) the way she talks about horror novels. So all of the books that she talks about are horror or scary books that have like obviously disturbed her. The tagline of her podcast, Books in the Freezer, is a podcast that discusses the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. What? So I'm sitting here thinking in my closed-minded way, I'm like, how do you have that much content? She's been around for years, has like 40,000 TikTok followers. So clearly there's plenty of books to go around. I find she gives great recommendations. And I almost selfishly did not want to share because I'm like, I get some really good under-the-radar wrecks from her, oh. so I don't want to, like, reveal mm-hmm. my sources. But. Exactly. But I but will. you're doing it for us. For you guys, I will. <laughs> on her podcast, she does a lot of author interviews and general horror book chat, so she has guests that come on. The author of my latest read was just on her podcast, and I think she does a really good job. I love the way that she's able to share about her podcast and her book recommendations and use TikTok as a platform. I would love to do that and find a way to grow and kind of really tap into that market because it's so smart. They're quick little videos. It, and the thing that I and I know probably some of you listening are not on TikTok yet. The thing I like about it is that it's not at, well, some people are super produced and amazing and creative and incredible other folks are just regular people talking. It's not like super filtered. It's not. It's just a small, short video and you get what you need. But I really, really like her. If you like some of my picks, I definitely think you'll like Stephanie from Books in the Freezer. So check her out. Of course, we'll link to this in our show notes, but it's the TikTok slash Instagram slash podcast Books in the Freezer.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, as soon as we finish, you know I'm mm-hmm. looking up all of those. And I thought
0: it was perfect for this time of year because, you know, I like to read creepy, weird books year-round. But especially in our October mm-hmm. episodes, we like to really lean into that. If you are not somebody that loves creepy, scary reads, don't worry. We're not going to talk about, you know, Stephen King and, and scary <laughs> books forever. But you'll find them from time to time because that's really what I think we like to lean into.
1: Right. Can I ask you a quick TikTok question? Question. You sh- because you know, you sure can. I am not on. You're not.
0: You're not. I'm in not.
1: It. I'm not hip to everything on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do people on there do extended length videos, mm-hmm. or is it like Instagram where you can just do short stories?
0: Both. So you can do. I think it's like 15 seconds, 60 seconds, and then you can do a three minute video. So oh, it depends on okay. what you want to do. I am an elder millennial, okay? And even I am like, how do these people do this? <laughs> it's there's a learning curve. Just like anything okay. else, there is a learning curve. And I was like, I'm trying to like work on my transition game. I feel silly saying that, but it's kind of fun because, you know, I've been on Instagram or Bookstagram for five years now, and this is like completely blown things up. There are so many more users on TikTok that I think we've not tapped into. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. like curious. I want to see if we can talk to it's some of the very interesting. Mm-hmm. It is
1: very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm checking out Books in the Freezer for sure. Fabulous. Okay. Tell me your latest read.
0: It's in this creepy, spooky vibe. My latest read is Cackle by Rachel Harrison.
1: I cannot wait <sighs> okay. to hear about All right.
0: this. Uh, okay. 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 (laughs) Cackle. It's worth mentioning, I read Rachel Harrison's last book, The Return, and I liked it. It's kind of over-the-top, slapstick, almost comedy horror, but I don't mind that. I don't mind weird. I think I've said that before. Cackle is much more approachable, so I think readers who need something really rooted in reality would be okay with this, but I did have my issues, and I'll get into it. This one passed the time very well, I had fun reading it. I don't think it'll be for everyone. I have a physical copy of it. And last weekend, I picked it up. I was like making something for my daughter. And I was like, oh, let me just read a few pages while I'm waiting for this to heat up. All of a sudden, like an hour and a half later, I'm 75 pages in. I'm like, what? It's like sucked (laughs) me right in. So you have Annie, who at the start of the book is devastated. It's her birthday. She just turned 30. And her live-in boyfriend of years, Sam, has just broken up with her. He gave her the old, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. So she's forced to move out. She's a teacher and she cannot afford to rent a place in Manhattan on her own. And she feels like, okay, I'm too old to have a roommate. So she finds a job in upstate New York and moves there. Surprisingly, when she gets there, things work out. She finds a cute place to rent. She gets another job teaching. And the town itself seems really charming. There's like cute little shops and there's a little coffee shop. And she's starting to get to know people, but despite all of this, she is still not over Sam. So she's at the liquor store and then she meets Sophie. Sophie is stunning and generous and enigmatic, and she seems to take to Annie right away. But Annie's like, okay, there's something a little bit off about Sophie because as nice as she is, the people in the town seem to be afraid of her. She lives in this gorgeous mansion at the edge of the woods, and Annie, becomes captivated and falls under her spell. Now, there's some mentions of spiders and a couple of things that would fall under the lightly creepy category. But I swear, I even think sensitive readers would be just fine with this. What I liked about this, it is about friendship. It is about finding yourself. And you really get to see Annie kind of go through this character arc. It's about refusing to make yourself smaller to appease other people. I found myself laughing a lot and I wanted to be friends with Sophie, even though you're like, wait, is she a good witch or a bad witch? What's going on? (laughs) But what Rachel Harrison is really good at is this writing a very vivid image. I could see Sophie's mansion in my mind. I got hungry from the description of the food and the drinks they were having. I have one issue with the book comes out toward the end that left me with a question mark, but I'll get over it. It wasn't enough for me to say I wish I hadn't read it. I was just like, wait, how is this possible? So Mm -hmm. if you've read it, DM me and I would love to chat about it. I'd call this kind of a twisted fairy tale meets horror story. It's a late coming of age novel with some excellent magical elements and I thought it was perfect for the season. So this is Cackle by Rachel Harrison.
1: Okay, great. I am very curious mm-hmm. because I did read, actually, I listened to The Return at the end of August. Mm-hmm. I have not even brought that to the podcast or shared it anywhere, but it was such a binge listen. And yes. that had been yes. on my fall TBR mm-hmm. forever.
0: It but came it out went, in 2020. It, oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but forever but in our was terms. It? Okay, it felt forever. (laughs) It came out in 2020? Yeah. Uh Are you sure? I'm going to Google it now, of course. Okay, well, then it was in my face everywhere on Instagram last year or something. It came out in March 2020. Okay, I saw it repeatedly. (laughs) I
0: just read it. Well... The book is very striking. Both of these covers are amazing. They're both by Berkeley, and Berkeley has some of the most gorgeous covers, in my opinion. Right. The return is neon pink. Like you cannot miss this cover. So that might be why you're like, okay, I'm and seeing I this all over. And I do think
1: the audio was great. Mm-hmm. And probably, I don't know how I would have felt about it in print. It went so bonkers and bonkers off the wall. Absolutely. It went completely uh-huh. bonkers. That yeah. then I kind of I was like, oh yeah. But that doesn't mean I didn't still consider it a complete popcorn mm-hmm. thriller-type read. And and those are hard to judge. Yes. Because when you binge it, kind of like I did with The Cabin at the End of the World, mm-hmm. I binged it, Oh, but then it's just not what you want it to be. Yeah. It goes crazy, nutty, bonkers. So it is what it is. That makes me
0: think, okay, Cabin at the End of the Woods could be a Tina book, like, I like bonkers. I don't mind weird. It definitely
1: could be for you.
0: Uh I'm going to try it, I think. Cackle is much less weird than The Return. Absolutely much more approachable. I initially texted Renee and said, I don't know if this one's for you. But now I'm like curious. So if you get a couple hours
1: and you want to take a listen, I would love to know. Okay, and what I did really like about The Return was the friendship between the girls. Ooh, okay. I really like that aspect of it. You
0: have this friendship in Cackle. You'll you'll get okay. to see them explore their relationship. I don't want to give away too much. I okay. I really, really like the evolution of the characters, put it that way. Okay. And it was kind of cute. There's like one side character that's really adorable in a way
1: that I wasn't expecting. Okay, So, and you know what? I mean, I think you just confirmed too. These books can be read quickly. Oh, yeah. Right. You don't need like five days. Oh,
0: I wanted to keep going back to this book. I'm like, why am I so sucked into this book? It's, I guess, simple on its surface. But I was like, oh, I got to see what happens. What are the girls? What are the girls up to? (laughs) Uh,
1: You've got me intrigued. You've got me intrigued. All right. Uh, No matter. Yeah, I'm going to give it a try. All right. Okay. Speaking of books that may not be for both of us, tell me about (laughs) your latest read. I don't think you're going to say the (laughs) same about my latest read. Okay. I am happy with it. I am happy because, you know, I wanted to read Once Upon a Broken Heart yes. by Stephanie Garber. And I finally got myself a copy on the day it was published. And I initially thought this was adult fantasy. It's not. It's, it's YA fantasy. <laughs> okay. But here is the setup. For as long as she can remember, Evangeline Fox has believed in true love and happy endings. Until she learns that the love of her life will marry someone else. Quick side note, I did bring this as an October books on the radar, maybe. So I'm not gonna give the whole synopsis. So basically what she does is she decides to stop the wedding of who she thinks is her one true love, and she makes so she makes a deal with the Prince of Hearts. So in this in this type of magical space, there are these princes who are like the kings of fate and the princes of different things, which I loved. So in exchange for his help, he asks for three kisses to be given at a time and place of his choosing. And then really things don't go as planned. I would highly, highly, highly recommend getting this in print. Mm -hmm. I bought it because I wanted to keep reading it nonstop. I alternated with the audio. Mm -hmm. I would stick with print. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay.
1: Not only because I wasn't crazy about just the way it was narrated. I would have preferred two narrators at least, and there was only one. So the voices aspect. But the print copy has this illustration at the beginning where you get to see all of the different kingdoms. And the castles. Oh, I kept referring back to that. So I really, really enjoyed that part of being able to look and see where the characters were. You guys, you know I don't read a lot of fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not. There is something about this type of story that I can't resist. If somebody has to make a deal with the devil, Ooh. I need to know about how it's going to turn out, mm-hmm. what it's going to be. I need all of those details. What I loved about this story was the chapters were short. The world building was fantastic to me because I'm not an avid fantasy reader. And what I wonder is if I start reading more fantasy, I have a feeling, especially adult fantasy, that the world building would be even Mm -hmm. better because this definitely veered into YA territory. Evangeline, I didn't really love her. I just didn't. It's
0: hard. It's hard to, when it so much centers on that protagonist, if you don't love her, you're like, uh, you're not as invested probably. And
1: I knew in my head, right, this this definitely has vibes of Addie LaRue, mm-hmm. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which was an adult novel. But I do think if you liked Addie LaRue and you liked the selection, this is a definite cross between those two. Excellent. Okay. Definite cross. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fairy tale aspect because she talks about and sets up fairy tales. Mm -hmm. And you think that Evangeline thinks she can trust certain people, and then she can't. There's a curiosity shop that sells books, and I just loved everything about that. I really, really liked, at one point, there was a murder. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> for me, I was like, Ooh, ding, ding, yeah, ding, yeah, yeah. Ding. okay, I didn't know there was a murder coming and now I'm really here for this story and I need to find out what happens. That was great. It definitely went in unexpected directions. So if you read the synopsis and you think you know where this story is going, I, I promise you, you're going to be surprised. I was surprised. I would prefer a more adult type of fantasy, only because it got a little too angsty in parts for Mm. me, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. That's just my preference. This was really magical settings though. They went to balls and they wore, you know, sequined and everything was just magical. I loved all of that. I think it's a perfect fall and winter read. And if you need to change a pace from gory or <laughs>
0: yeah or, or horror <laughs> if or you thriller. need a change of
1: pace from Stephen King some Stephen King type of books this would be great I like it be prepared though this is the first in a new series oh so you know what that means what does it mean it means there's some cliffhanger oh at the end. you gotta wait yeah mm-hmm. it's not huge but they're not everything, not all questions will be answered. Got it. Not everything is going to be tied up in a bow. And I am personally okay with that. Yeah. I would prefer to have books waiting, but I'm okay. And I'm definitely going to continue with this series. Good. That was Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. Okay. I'm very
0: happy to hear this because I know you're excited. It sounds I like uh, it's got a lot of the elements to books that I think you like. I have two questions. Okay. One, did you read Caraval?
1: By Stephanie Garber? My Goodreads says yes. I have no <laughs> memory of it.
0: <laughs> okay. I did read it. I did not like it. There were elements that I didn't enjoy. Now I I'm I not... think I
1: gave it two point five. Okay. Well, I did. On my Goodreads, I gave it two and a half or three. I don't even know. Okay.
0: So but you liked this one better.
1: Yes. I don't remember the story okay. and in Caravel, but I didn't go on with that series. Neither did I. I just read the first This but... one mm-hmm. I will I will go on Got with Got it. it.
0: Second question, have you read the Cinder series by Marissa Meyer? No, you
1: mentioned it to me, and then I downloaded the first book, Mm -hmm. but I have not had time to get to it. Yes,
0: that's okay. I was just curious, because you mentioned fairy tale, you mentioned Mm -hmm. some of these like more adult elements. I don't read fantasy that often, if at all. I loved these books. Cinder, the others... (laughs) I I love them so much. I cannot tell you what the names of them are. But I do think that you would. You read all of them. I did. Yeah. Okay. So I did read all of them. And actually, I believe there's another one coming out soon, or it might already be out. That's surprising because I wouldn't picture you liking. I know. I know. Trust me. So it's Cinder, Scarlet, and Cress is this Cinder series. And it's Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, and. Whoever the hell Cress is, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm calling it the wrong thing. It's actually the Lunar Chronicles. But anywho. Oh, okay. Cress is uh, Rapunzel. So okay. trust me. I Oh, and there's Winter, too. There's actually four. Oh. I am as surprised as the next person that this was something I enjoyed. These books are YA, so keep that in mind when you're thinking about it. But I really, really enjoyed her books. So anyway, something to, well, to put in the back pocket.
1: I wonder if you like the world-building aspect of these types. Addie LaRue did not have quite the world-building. It was more character. Like, I was super invested Mm -hmm. in Addie, less so in Evangeline in this story. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But I do prefer the way Stephanie Garber created a setting and a story and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm.
0: You'll definitely have the atmosphere. In the lunar okay. chronicle. So anyway, I'm going to squeeze it in. All right, all right. Okay, that sounds good. good. Well, that's transition. I don't really have a great transition from. We don't have a great
1: Stephen <laughs> Although, King I will transition.
0: Say, fair enough to Stephen King. Chances are you have run into a Stephen King reference a time or two, even if you haven't read him, because he is really good at building these worlds. Right. These things tend to find their way into pop culture. I remember my first introduction to Stephen King was through. It the movie in I guess it must have been the 80s. I accidentally saw it on my parents' television when I was a kid and I was like, I oh. will never in my life watch this movie. What is happening? <laughs> I knew it had something to do with a clown and that he possibly ate children and that and then he lived in the sewer and that's all I knew. I did not start reading Stephen King until I was well into my 20s.
1: What about you? Yeah. I I first read Stephen King when I was 16 in the fall of 1988. No one's doing the math. We're not math people here. Do the math. I mean, (laughs) come on. That's a long time ago. Do you know that
0: our editor was born in
1: 1989? Oh, my God. John wasn't even born yet. I was born. And I was reading Stephen King. I was here. I
0: was here. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't read yet, but I was here.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, that book came out in 1983. Oh, Yeah. Okay. So I read it five years later. I have no idea how that crossed my path. But I mean, that was how early I got started Mm -hmm. in wanting to be in the scary mood. And I think we talked about that before. I was into scary movies. Yes. And that transitioned into Stephen King. And I remember reading this, which was the story of a family who goes and they move to A rural farmhouse in Maine, and there's a creepy, very odd cemetery right up the hill, and things happen. And and, I mean, it it was the most terrifying book Mm -hmm. that I have read up until I'll be gone in the dark. Mm -hmm. I believe, really, truly, yeah. Like Pet Cemetery held that spot for me because I remember just being sixteen and being. At home by myself and thinking, I remember it vividly, thinking there's definitely someone outside watching through the windows. I know it, I know it, I know it. And like (laughs) it was I was so scared. Oh my goodness. I loved it. I love that book. I keep that memory in my head. And I thought about doing a reread, and I even bought a copy to do a reread but i'm going to keep it on my shelf and i'm going to hold it mm-hmm. because i want that i want it, that to stay
0: that makes sense though you sometimes you want to keep your initial memory of a book like mm-hmm. i remember reading it when i was 16 i can see why you don't want to try it again as an adult cuz it might hit differently
1: well i thought i wanted to see if it held up mm-hmm. well but then we can talk i'm not 16
0: that. right <laughs> we can talk about that i will say my experience with pet cemetery that is my scariest stephen king And I agree with you there. Is it really? It scared the fuck out of me. (laughs) And I was in my, I mean, I was in my 30s, I think, when I read it. I remember reading it on an airplane. And it's a simple premise. You're like, okay, this family moves to Maine. They're new to town. They meet a neighbor. Hey, this neighbor seems nice. Okay, there's a cemetery behind the house, whatever. The ending, though, Mm. I got chills just thinking about it. It's amazing. This book is really, really good. And I understand that the audio is narrated by Michael C. Hall, Dexter. Oh, <gasps> Dexter. Dexter narrates Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. on That's audio. That's perfect. That's perfect. Which is perfect. So this is our honorable mention. Neither one of us picked it for the, the deep dive books today. My first Stephen King was, I didn't read him until I was well into my 20s. It was Salem's Lot in 2011. I just think I, it came across my radar. At the time, I was very into vampire books. It was like Twilight. You know, that was a, a thing back then. I also really liked the Sookie Stackhouse series. So I was very into vampires. And I'm like, wait a minute. How have I not read this? I enjoyed it. I don't remember a ton about it. It was pre, you know, blogging, Instagram, whatever. And I would love to take a look again and see what I still think about it.
1: I didn't realize that was vampires, but now you've really tempted me with that.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, it's vampires. And they're vampires that are very, they're not like the Twilight where they're sparkly and they're falling Mm -hmm. in love. It's like, oh no, they live next door. Like these live next door. Oh, I love that. Which
1: I love too. I love that. And, you know, doing the research for this episode, I realized I knew Stephen King had written so much. I did not realize how much. I still wanted to read. Oh,
0: so many books, right? Yes. I was, we were both in preparation for this episode taking a look and I'm like, all right, how many books does he have? 63. 63. As of Billy Summers, which came out in 2021. Right. And how many of those have you read total?
1: I have read 16. That is what I have read. <laughs> Of course, of course, we are. Um, we like to do things this, equally, and, and
0: this is not on purpose, obviously. <laughs> no, and they're different books. But you're right. I'm like, wait a minute. I feel like I've read so many Stephen King books, and I looked. I'm like, 16? I thought that too. That's it, right? So.
1: Oh, also, sixty three novels. Yes, but eleven collections and five nonfiction. Yes. Well, so that's wait. not even five nonfiction. Yes. Five nonfiction.
0: I didn't know that either. I know on writing, which is right. absolutely beautiful. It's his memoir. I recommend mm-hmm. it to anybody that is even like tangentially thinking of getting into writing in whatever capacity. It's just so fascinating to see how he came to be Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And he's so, love that book. so, so cute with his wife. Still to this day, he's always talking about Tabitha King, who's also an mm-hmm. author. He is so cute with her.
1: Yes. I love it.
0: Okay. Wait,
1: let's backtrack okay. a minute. Why did we choose to do an entire episode Mm -hmm. on Stephen King?
0: I call Stephen King my all-time favorite author. All-time. All-time favorite. I am a big collector of his books. I hope to eventually read all of his books. And I was so excited when I found out when we first started
1: talking to each other that you were a Stephen King fan too. Yes. Yes, for sure. I am a Stephen King fan. I would put him definitely in my top five authors. Definitely. So I'll tell you why that for me, he's more of a hit or miss author. What I like about Stephen King is his ability to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, sometimes I find myself reading his books and I'm going to use your phrase and I think, land the plane.
0: (laughs) All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yes. Specifically, my most recent example, Billy Summers. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) Steven, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love Billy. Hey, we're invested in Billy. Okay, land the plane, bud. Like, come on.
1: (laughs) But he tells a story. He does. He does tell a story like no one else. Sometimes I just wish he would get to the point Yes, I see that. I see that. But it doesn't matter. And I was talking with Darren, who you know is my husband. Everybody else might not necessarily know. Last night about... Stephen King, because it's Friday night. I'm doing podcast stuff, which I don't usually do on Friday night, but I'm like, Tina and I are, are prepping. I get it. We're doing Stephen King tomorrow. And he's like, reader, I don't read or watch Stephen King. He's too scary. And I said, but he doesn't always write horror. And that's what people tend to think mm-hmm. when they think of Stephen King. And then we started talking about eleven twenty two sixty three, 63, which he had watched the Hulu yes. series. Yeah. And he didn't know that was Stephen King because oh, he's not in the reading. Of course. Space so he's just like, oh, here's all this. of that. Ah, but I see. I said, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He writes, Stephen King can cross genres mm-hmm. like absolutely positively no other author supernatural fiction, horror, suspense, crime, science fiction, yep. and fantasy. He does it all. And you never know what you're going to get with his books,
0: Mm -hmm. right? You don't. And that's kind of the fun, I think, for us at this point. I'll pick up whatever he would. I'm like, all right, what what story you got for me? I don't care what it is. You don't (laughs) know. And you don't know. You don't know. And I think you can tell a difference probably between his newer books and some of his more classic novels. But the man has been writing for 50 years, probably, at this point. I mean, he's not a young man anymore. No. But he manages to evolve. Like I feel like his stories evolve. It's not the same thing over and over. Okay, we're going to get another this and that. Certainly he's got elements. You know you're going to have characters probably that you connect with or that you're you're going to get that character building, mm-hmm. but he evolves. He gives us new stuff. It doesn't feel like the same thing, which is why for me I did not call I don't call him hit or miss. For me a hit or miss author is somebody that it's like, okay, here we go again. It's the same story but like in a new setting.
1: Oh, that's what you've, that's how you're hit, hit or miss. Okay. It's not
0: as though I don't like every book. I've never read a Stephen King book that I patently don't like. There's a couple, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but that I'm like, oh, I know this isn't for me, but it's good. I know that it's good. I know that he's going somewhere. I know that I'm not in the mood for this right now,
1: if that makes okay. sense. Okay. That does make sense. Hit or miss to me means I do not like everything you write. Mm hmm. But I'm going to try okay. as much as I can because, I mean, obviously I haven't tried all of his books. Right. But I have tried a lot. I just didn't like a lot. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hated Under the Dome. Interesting. Hated. Hated it. I can't even tell you, other than the fact that it takes place literally under a dome, what anything <laughs> else was about There's it. an
0: adaptation of this one, too, I think.
1: Uh, I'm sure. There's I, a million. I don't even know if I... Skimmed it mm-hmm. or just finished it. I didn't write anything about it. I gave it one star. Wow, but you know what? The very next book that Stephen King comes out with, I will be there reading mm-hmm. or trying to read it or if i if it sounds reasonably up my alley got it. I mean, but here's the interesting thing about him too. Billy summers, his most recent book after everything he I love that book so much. Mm-hmm. And there's so many of his older books that I didn't love, but then here he goes right. with his brand new See? 2021 and he blows it to me, blows it out of the park right. with Billy Summers. So he's still writing great stories. 100%. And I know we
0: we shared the books we're bringing today cuz we didn't want to overlap. And I know one of your favorites is something that did not come out mm-hmm. that long that long ago, which I think is amazing. The one that I would call my least favorite Stephen King book that I've read is The Gunslinger. It's book one of his, what's that called? That series? The Dark Tower. It's book one. It's book one of the Dark Tower series. Here's the thing. I was confused. (laughs) I'm not too, I'm not too (laughs) proud to say that. Like as a reader, sometimes I'm like, what is happening? Like, where are we going? What I liked about it was that I could tell he was really building a story. I mean, this book has, I think, seven parts to it. And they're all chunky boys. So there are there's a lot to this gunslinger story. I read book one. It's kind of this fantasy Western book. And there were great elements. I read book one and book two. I might dip back in because, again, eventually I want to read everything. But I found myself I think I read it in 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, you know what? Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going to continue on with this right now. (laughs) So, for me that was probably my least favorite but ultimately I think I'll give it a go at some point, but there's some others that are higher on my list to
1: read. Okay. Of the Stephen King books that we've read, we can probably list those. Sure. If since we're not naming all of them, right. we could probably we could put those maybe in show notes if we have enough
0: space. I know. Um, the show notes by the way, they're pretty stingy with the number of limited. characters. They're limited. We we so. can't
1: we can't put everything, but we do our best, but I did do some Google, Stephen King, Google, and of some of his interviews, and he's such, he really seems like such a nice guy. Mm -hmm. He's been on Stephen Colbert quite a lot, and I thought, I thought this was interesting. He gave his top, his own top five favorite books, and they were Misery, Lizzie's Story, The Stand By Me Short Story, Billy Summer's. And another random short story I did right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last one was Survivor Type. It was a short story. Yes. And I looked Survivor. it up because I was like, "Where?" I haven't heard of this. It was originally published in the Terrors Anthology in 1982 and later included in King's own 1985 collection, Skeleton Crew. So it's a short story that he wrote. But I was so fascinated because I was like, OK, these these what a wide range of stories like. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited because I'm going to bring one of these. But. And
1: who knew? I mean, I love to hear what authors Mm -hmm. enjoy as their favorite when they've got an extensive backlist. Imagine being so
0: talented that those are your top five. You didn't even mention The Green Mile. You didn't even mention The Shining. Those aren't even in your top five. And those are like insanely amazing stories.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Well, now that you mentioned The Green Mile, I'll tell you that is my that is my top book that I most Me too. still want to. Me too. It is Yes, The Green Mile. 100%. Yes. Top the list. Because I text, tech- okay, I messaged you before this episode and said, don't forget to bring a top yep. book that you still want to read. The Green Mile series. Yes. I know mine. <sighs> and we both, <laughs> you guys, uh, okay, we'll
0: read it know. together perhaps at some point and, and yes. let you guys know. I have my mom. So back in, gosh, who whenever they came out, I have my mom's tiny, tiny little skinny books that she used to have. There's like a five of them, I think. I have the original oh, yes. print of these tiny oh, you little do? books. Yes, and then I have <gasps> the paperback with Tom Hanks on the cover for the movie. Okay.
1: Oh, okay. I'm so. Oh, see, can... I I didn't know there was a movie. <laughs> what?
0: Wait, no. The Green Mile. What do you mean? You I didn't know, and I'm a movie goer. You... I
1: didn't know there oh, was a movie. The, I did not. The Green Mile. Not. You didn't know there was I a movie. I did not know there was a movie with Tom Hanks. No, no, I haven't. No. Okay. How did you not know? Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, I, was, I don't know. <laughs> One of the questions I wanted to ask you is if you've watched any of his adaptations, the movies or the TV shows.
1: Yes. And ran I mean f I mean random fact. Random fact, he holds the Guinness World Record for Yes, you know me, Tina. Oh and my, my research. gosh. I'm giving her the he face. Holds the like, Guinness. Yes, I love that. We know this. <laughs> he he holds the Guinness World Record for the most motion picture adaptations from a living. Author, mm-hmm. I could see as that. Of, of course, as of twenty seventeen, so it's probably more now. Thirty four movies amazing. have been made from his books and short stories. Amazing, thirty four. That's a cra- that's
0: amazing. Yes. So I do not watch movies. We know this about me. I have seen the new Pet Cemetery. I do not recommend it. <laughs> um, I have seen the new It, both parts, and I've seen Misery. Which I just watched recently because spoiler alert, that's one of the ones I'm bringing. Um, okay, and then TV I just saw eleven twenty two
1: sixty three. That's it. Well, I am an an avid movie goer, and I think I tried eleven twenty two sixty three. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't continue with that series. I just prefer the books. Yeah. However, and actually, I've never seen or read The Shining.
0: Same. That's on my list. Okay. It goes the Green Mile, The <laughs> okay. Shining. I've okay. never seen it either. We tried to watch it once. I am averse to scary. I'm averse to movies in general. My attention span doesn't allow for it. <laughs> Secondly, I'm afraid of scary movies, so I remember we started the beginning, I couldn't finish. So, I guess we have some like now homework for the podcast.
1: We have some catching up to mm-hmm. do. Um, okay, but in preparation for this episode, I did decide to pull up Mr. Mercedes on Peacock, which FYI everyone, I did not know Peacock streaming service is free as far as with a lot of what you can get and you can get the Mr. Mercedes series free on Peacock. So I spent my Friday night watching episode after episode and it was so good and spoiler I'm bringing that book. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> are you ready to jump into our Yeah, book let's list? let's get into our Stephen King books unless you have anything else to add
0: quickly are these your three favorites or are these just three that you wanted to make
1: sure to highlight they are two of my favorites mm-hmm. and one that i decided to try and i'll tell you why but i didn't love every aspect of it okay. but i wanted to try something new as far as a new stephen king read mm-hmm. so that's mine
0: mine are three of my favorite honorable mention to pet cemetery i think if i had to call it two of these are my favorite pet cemeteries three the one I'm about to tell you about is four. It doesn't matter. No one cares about my rankings, okay. but let me tell
1: you about Ooh, this I, one. I mean, it's fine. And as many titles as we can get into the show notes, b- we'll try our best to right. put them. I feel like okay. we've mentioned so many already. But. <laughs> All right. All right. Start with, are you starting with your favorite? No. Okay. Uh-uh. I'm building, baby. Oh, this is okay, my, okay. my
0: third favorite of the ones I'm mentioning. All right. This is Misery. All right. Mm -hmm. The premise of Misery is simple but brilliant. A popular romance author, Paul Sheldon, has just finished his latest book. He has this ritual. He stays in this remote hotel. He lights a cigarette. He has champagne. And so he does all of this and then gets in his car and a blizzard hits. Now, this was before the time of, you know, knowing what the weather is about to be hour by hour. So he gets caught in this blizzard and his car goes off the highway. But lucky for him, his number one fan (laughs) finds him. So you have Annie Wilkes. She finds her favorite author of all time, Paul Sheldon. And she's a nurse. So she's like, all right, I got this. I'm going to nurse him back to health. She takes him back to her home. And you find out that Annie has a screw loose. She is his number one fan. But... She is also not entirely pleased with the ending of his last book, so she decides that she is going to do what she has to do to get the ending she wants. Like I said, I watched the adaptation of Misery for the first time this week. I love a young Kathy Bates. She is an icon and I can see why like this is she's so noteworthy cuz she brought Annie Wilkes to life. Annie Wilkes is one of my all-time favorite villains. I could have picked her for characters we love to hate, but I knew I wanted to save Misery for this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's so funny because one minute she's disturbingly chipper and she uses funny phrases. And then the next minute she's drugging Paul and abusing him into (laughs) doing what she wants. Stephen King himself has also made a parallel and said that Wilkes is a metaphor for his drug addiction that he was struggling through during the time he wrote this. So I thought that was really fascinating. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of some of the stuff we find out in his memoir on writing. But what I liked about this, it is a locked room story. It's just these two characters for the most part. But it's a testament to King's storytelling that I never felt bored. There is so much tension. You get invested. You're like, okay, how is this (laughs) man going to get out of this room and this might be a good pick for those of you who want to read Stephen King, but who are intimidated by the length of most of his books. This one's only 420 pages. It went pretty fast. And this is absolutely wonderful for late fall, early winter. You got to read it. I I really, really liked it. And then watch the movie afterwards. This mm-hmm. is Misery
1: by Stephen King, obviously. You're exactly right. That would be so good for... for- A winter, late, late fall, winter reading. I read this. I think it was New
0: Year's Eve two years ago. It was one of my last books of the year. And I was like, "Uh, chef's kiss. I try to read at least one Stephen King a year. This was perfect. Have you read this Uh, one?
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. When it came out. When it came out. It's so Mm -hmm. good. Okay, good. So in my nerdy Stephen King research, so Stephen Colbert asked him of his character's who would he have been the most afraid to quarantine with? Uh. And he said Annie will Hi. Yes, obviously.
0: <laughs> That's so funny, though. And isn't that funny? Because she's a real, I mean, in the book, a real person. And yet she was right? the scariest person. There's big differences between the movie and the book. So if you've only watched the movie, I still think it's worth your while to read the book. Because there's kind of a couple big differences.
1: Right. And I do still think I... Well, I read the book first. I do think I watched... I know for a fact I watched that movie. And she was great oh, casting So for good. that movie. So good. Oh, my gosh. Really, really good. But definitely, yes. Definitely read the book. But I thought that was funny that of all his characters, he chose her. Right? Because he said... and And I think he said that she would have scared him with her cockadoodle. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's the cra- like cuz she's like one minute like, "Paul, don't say that cockadoodle word." And then the next minute she's like, "doing she's what she does." She's going to kill you. Well, you know, she's doing her 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 best Annie Wilkes. So, really, really oh good. Oh my god, book. it was
1: great. Good good choice. All right, okay. What's your first? Uh my first is Joyland. Okay. And I wanted to bring this because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And it's one I would categorize as a Stephen King, I don't know, like an offset because it's one of his hard crime. Ah, mm-hmm. He publishes it with a hard crime publisher and the cover is not the greatest. It looks like a, a old school cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I will say that that threw me off when I saw that. And I thought it was more like a comic book type of read. Got it. Mm-hmm. it is not a comic book type of read. If you would like to try Stephen King and you don't want horror, you need to try Joyland. Here is the synopsis. It is set in a small town, North Carolina amusement park in 1973. This novel tells the story of the summer in which college student Devin Jones goes to work as a carney at Joyland, a local amusement park. Devin takes a summer job hoping to recover from a broken heart. But as it turns out, Joyland was once the scene of an unsolved vicious murder, and the ghost of the murder girl sometimes haunts a popular ride at the park. It's not long before Devin decides to try to solve the murder. Over the course of the summer, he also meets a young mother with a dying child. For Devin, this entire summer, its consequences and revelations will change his life forever. I love this book. I loved this book. Okay. I will file this book under books that I love that I almost didn't read because of the title and cover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see that. It is not a great cover, but when I picked it up, this is perfection in the mystery and coming of age genre. So if you like either one or both, you will definitely like this book. The setting is coastal North Carolina. And also, I love the idea of a throwback to the amusement parks of older years. Mm-hmm. I grew up going to amusement parks and they're very even when I was growing up, they were pretty high tech. This is old mm-hmm. school amusement Hell park. No,
0: I'm scared of amusement parks. I don't like really? I don't like something that comes out of a van, appears, is there for three <laughs> days and then goes away. I'm not getting on what? Oh, I'm not getting on any of those rides. No way. I'll go walk around. I'll have like a treat like a
1: snack. You did not no go
0: to amusement
1: parks and ride roller coasters growing up. I went to Six Flags
0: Great America, which is uh, doesn't move <laughs> the roller coaster <laughs> 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 the roller coasters are there. I'm not going into something that comes out of like the parking lot of a Walmart, and like all of a sudden, here's all these rides. How did they get there? Where did oh, they go?
1: You don't want to go to a traveling fair. Like no. we grew up going to the fair, no, which is what this was. I'm not going to a fair. No, I okay. Now, <laughs> no, I I'm I'm kind of with you on that now. But I did that. <sighs> oh, I, we went every year. To did you the go fair. on those rides? Yes. Did you go on I that did. ride? I've never been
0: on it. I am absolutely terrified the one that spins you around and like somehow static electricity like
1: sticks you to the wall and the floor drops out and you're you're standing up yes i did yes i did no i could never do that as an adult Mm. because i get motion sickness Mm. i don't even know how i did that as a kid (laughs) couldn't do it i hated it but all my friends were doing it so i was like i gotta do it Peer pressure Got it. <laughs> but, but I did the egg. Do you remember the, the no. ride yes. that was shaped like an I'm egg? I'm going and in sp- there. I
0: did that. No, oh ma'am. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm.
1: But this is exactly the type of midway. And then you could play the game, yep. you know, the games. And this was that setting. And it's on a water setting. It's on the coast. Mm-hmm. It was really, really great. And also, it's emotional. I think I shed a couple tears. A few. Which Stephen King can make you do. Oh, I, yeah. I cried at the end of Billy Summers. Heck Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does so, so well. So I am choosing that as my first book because I think if you do not want horror, that this was a great starting point. And that was Joyland.
0: Oh, okay. I will definitely try it. I'm going to read them all eventually. But I do love that you love this one. And it's it's short. True. Yes. Which is another plus. That is true. So I'll transition to a book that is not short, but it is Uh Coming of age. I am buzzing. I can't believe. I love coming of age. Same. I cannot believe that I get to talk about this on the podcast. This is It by Stephen King. This book is epic. You all know that I love a story about people who did something bad as kids, who have to get together as adults for a reckoning. And this is one of the all-time best in that trope. It takes place in a town called Derry, Maine. There is an evil force in town that they call It, and what it does is it terrorizes and murders children. It is a monster that takes the shape of anything that can elicit the most fear from its prey. So it could be a bird, it could be a leper, a mummy, a clown. Very early in the book, you have the protagonist, Bill Denborough, the leader of the group of friends called the Losers Club. And Bill has a little brother who he adores, but unfortunately he becomes It's first victim in the book. this sets off a series of murders, and Bill, along with the help of his friends in the Losers Club, sets off to kill this monster for good. And what this story does so well is it flashes forward and backward between the 1950s to present day in what's the mid-1980s, I believe. And as it turns out, the evil that they thought was a one-time thing was dormant, and now he's back to claim more victims. Okay, this book is a chunky boy. It is 11... (laughs) It's 1,142 pages. No way. Oh, yeah. But I think it's well worth your time. First and foremost, if you like stories of friendship, this is a book for you. The friendship between the members of the Losers Club is one of the best parts of the book. So you have these group of kids. It's Ben, Bill, Richie, Stan, Beverly, Eddie, and Mike. You've got these kids, right? And they fall into their own stereotypes and they get bullied. It breaks your heart. But... King spends a lot of the time in the book letting the reader get to know them. These characters become so likable and it's very easy to root for them. And you find out that they all have their own issues and their own things going on at home. I also really like that this book gave the reader a sense of nostalgia. It kind of makes you wistful for your own childhood, even though I didn't grow up in the 50s. But I still was like, oh, okay." I remember playing outside. I remember how important your friends are. It's very, very coming of age. Now, the kids are the only ones that can see the evil because it's said that the kids are the only ones that have magic in their imagination that brings him out. So he kind of feeds on these fears. Now, this book is firmly of the horror genre, but it surprisingly has a lot of humor. These kids are facing their biggest fears in life, yet they're still kids, and they find a way to laugh with one one another and joke around with one another. If you like being spooked, this will get you there. There are some crazy scenes that I still think about and I could not look away from. Now, I love slash hated Pennywise. He's terrible. He's the absolute (laughs) evil incarnate, but it was fun to, you know, watch him... Do his evil villain thing. I I think I'll leave it there. I will say the one thing about Stephen King books, he's got so many. They've spanned so many generations. There's a couple scenes in this one that are hard to read as a reader in 2021 where I'm like, oh, my God, that language bugs me. Like, I wish there wasn't this scene at the end. But all in all, if you take the story as a whole, I still highly recommend it. And this was It by
1: Stephen King. Another of his biggies I have not read. You've not read it. Oh. No or oh. watch the movie. Oh yeah, okay. I did watch it. I did not
0: see the one the original. I saw the two more recent ones. I really liked mm-hmm. it. Oh my gosh, that guy um uh, not Alexander his brother, Bill Scars.
1: Anyway. I didn't uh, Whatever. I, I I saw bits of it only because I had a stu- like students at uh uh-huh. um, Ohio State, when I was tutoring in English, decided to do this book or movie as their English project. Oh, it's it's good. But yeah, the guy that plays it in the new version is so spooky. Oh, so Stephen King has a thing with clowns, which we will. You think I, th- I do think I'll tell you why. OK, but I don't know. Oh, man, that's so long. I want to read it, though. Oh, it's I don't know. Should I read it or do the movie? No, don't do the movie. Okay, the movie I know. was good. That's a dumb question. I know. I know. But to
0: be fair, like, I think if you're like, all right, misery, should I do the book? Should I do the movie? I think you'll get a lot out of either. Like, I am not right, like as right. married to you reading the book before the movie. It, I want you to read the book. I do. Yeah. I did not listen so to long. it. I have no idea how okay. it is on audio, but it didn't take me that long, though. Yeah, it's long, but it, like, took me, I want to say, a week and a half. Okay. And granted, I know all we're right. reading for the pod, so it makes it hard. But, like, right. this story is very worth it. Although. I don't know. I feel the vampires calling me, though. Okay. Salem's Lot. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> All right. Tell me about book two.
1: All right. And I'm going to tell you about my very favorite Stephen King next Okay, instead of last. Okay. And it is Mr. Mercedes. Mm-hmm. It is my very, very favorite Stephen King. Although I would put Pet Cemetery right up there, but... It was so long ago Mm -hmm. that it just holds a special place for me. But Mr. Mercedes, I read when it came out. And then I proceeded to read the entire trilogy. It is a trilogy starting Mr. Mercedes, followed by Finder's Keepers, followed by End of Watch. Mm -hmm. You do need to read them all in order. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. But Mr. Mercedes was also a Goodreads Choice winner for 2014. I didn't know that. But here's why I said that. He loves clowns because the psycho nut job in Mr. Mercedes put on a clown mask as he got in a car in the pre-dawn hours Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. while waiting in his Mercedes outside of a job fair where hundreds of unemployed men and women were lining up in the pre-dawn hours To try to get a job. Mm -hmm. And he proceeded to run as many people down as possible. It was and it is one of the most chilling opening scenes I have ever read and then proceeded to watch on
0: (laughs) this TV show last night. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, my. I am not exaggerating when I tell you. I was podcasting last night while I pulled this up to watch. So I had my reading glasses on, and then I I kind of looked up to watch this opening scene, and then I had to cover my eyes, and oh. I knocked my glasses oh. off my face. Spooky! It was so terrifyingly graphic, and just I had forgotten because I read this when it came out how bad it was. So beware. Mm-hmm. It is a really graphic, brutal opening scene. And this isn't horror. This is more like mystery. No, this is mystery Mm -hmm. thriller. Mm -hmm. This is, and this is definitely in the mystery thriller category. So you have that opening scene and months later, you have ex-cop Bill Hodges. He is haunted by the unsolved crime because they have no idea who drove this Mercedes into this group of people. Bill is... Kind of your typical detective, if you read a lot of detective fiction, he is depressed. He drinks a lot. He's kind of down on his luck, but he ends up getting a letter from the killer. Mm -hmm. And from there, the story really takes off because that letter prompts Bill into a newfound frenzy. To come out of retirement, he needs to catch this killer. And the interesting thing that Stephen King does with this story is we know who the killer is. Mm -hmm. It's Brady Hartsville. Mm -hmm. And so Brady is one of the, I'm going to say this in quotes, best psychopaths that any author has ever created. Mm -hmm. He is so troubled. He is a true, true psychopath. And what Stephen King has done with this story has created a good versus evil storyline mm-hmm. like no other. So Bill and Brady go head to head. We know what each of them are doing. Bill does not know how he's going to catch Brady and Brady keeps teasing Bill. And in the meantime, it's building towards something very, very big that Brady has planned. And that is where most of the suspense comes from. Now, what I loved about this was the interesting and colorful cast of characters. I love Bill Hodges. Mm -hmm. If I had to pick a Stephen King character to be quarantined with, as Stephen King did, I would probably pick Bill Hodges. I love, I just, because I would love to pick his brain and like, Mm -hmm. I I I just love Bill Hodges. I loved him. I read all three books Mr. Mercedes was my favorite. And also he ends up bringing in Jerome, who is a computer IT kind of techie kid. And then Holly Gibney comes in in book two. And she is a quirky, very OCD-like type character that helps spell out. But it's just really, really good. If you like mysteries and thrillers with just a splash of horror, then give Mr. Mercedes a try. That's my take on that one. I love this. I
0: agree. I actually listened to the entire trilogy. Wonderful. Oh, I I actually read okay. this entire.
1: This was before I did audio. Oh, good. I'm glad we can give yes. the opposite, so I can opposite yes, perspectives
0: can. because this one is great on audio. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's the same narrator okay. throughout. I also love these books. And oh gosh, you think you know where it's going to go? You absolutely do not. But mm-hmm. I loved the. Finale. Like, I thought it was so smart. The whole thing is great. So I'm glad you brought that one because I was like, all right, we have to have Mr. Mercedes trilogy on the podcast.
1: Uh, It's my favorite. And Stephen King can bring the not only the scares, but the bittersweetness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is, you know, which you get in this story for sure. He does that so well. He does. All right. He does. He does. What's your next one? Okay. My final book. (laughs)
0: If we're talking about good versus evil, this is the ultimate book. You have my all time favorite king book. It is The Stand. Mm. And this is the granddaddy of all apocalypse plague novels. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, some people call this his magnum opus, his masterpiece. There are 675,000 ratings on Goodreads, and the average rating is 4.33. Whoa, this is my desert island book. One, because it's long. Two, because there are so many layers. You could read it again and again and still find new things that you like about it. And three, because maybe there are some tips in there that can keep me alive if I were stranded on a desert island. There are actually two versions of this book. You have the original published in 1978. And then you have the expanded version, which was published in 1990. They call the expanded version the uncut version. And this one has 1,152 pages. Whoa. And that's the one I read. This is about what rises within the people that survive a world-killing, mutating flu virus. It explores what happens when the structures of society vanish. There are no laws. There's no structure. There is nothing. And it's about what the survivors do. Do they still try to behave with decency? Do they try and care for one another? Or do they lean into their more animalistic, selfish sides? It opens with a man escaping from a biological testing facility. He has been exposed, and he unknowingly sets in motion a deadly domino effect. And he's spreading this mutated strand of flu virus that will wipe out 99.9% of humanity Within a few weeks, there are some survivors that remain, and they naturally are scared, bewildered, and in need of a leader. Keep in mind, and, and granted, Stephen King only focuses on the U.S., but these people do not live close to each other. You have people in the Northeast. <laughs> you have people out West. like They are not close. So you're like, well, how are they going to know that each other is, is still there, that they're not the only ones. So this group is desperately in need of a leader. And two leaders emerge. You have Mother Abigail. She is a benevolent 108-year-old woman who urges everyone to keep the peace and build society over in Boulder, Colorado. And then you have Randall Flagg. He is out in Vegas, and he is the nefarious dark man. And he loves chaos. He loves violence. So you've got the dark side of things and the peaceful side of things. And you have to figure out, all of the survivors have to decide, okay, where do I want to land within all of this? And ultimately, what they decide decides the fate of humanity. This is a big book, as you probably can tell. There are many layers to it. This is horror, but it's not scary in that there are monsters or you know scary clowns hiding in the sewers, though you have some <laughs> horror elements to it. What is scary is that this is about humanity. It's about what people will do to survive. And despite all of this, there's elements of hope. That's what I loved about it. I grew to absolutely adore these characters. I wanted the best for them. He really gets you involved. He really gets you to love these people. Not all of them, naturally. But you're kind of sitting there like, how is this going to end? It's brilliant. I cannot recommend this highly enough. I think it's worth the page count, although I also think it is worth the page count. So now I've given you about 2,200 pages. Yes, you have. (laughs) To read. So (laughs) I can't pick one over the the other. I think if you're like me and like an apocalyptic novel, you have to read The Stand. It's like a classic in its genre. I think if you're just more casually into horror and curious, read it. This was the stand by Stephen King. I keep okay. saying
1: by Stephen King. Obviously it's the it's the Stephen <laughs> King
0: episode. <laughs> author
1: but. author is given. You answered my question when you were talking. Mm-hmm. I kept I was I was planning on asking you did you love so many of the side characters. Yes. Like, that's, mm-hmm. and that is what he oh, gets that's it.
0: That's to do, right? That's the thing. I love a plague just because I'm curious and I think it's fun mm-hmm. to see people, like, way out, like, okay, are they going to survive? Are you one that's immune? Are you not? Right. But what I loved about this was the characters. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you why or who I loved, but mm-hmm. you really will come to gravitate towards some of these characters. If you read Wanderers by Chuck Wendig a couple of years ago, And like that, you've got to read The Stand. It's like
1: you can't have one without the other, in my opinion. Isn't that also what Stephen King does so well? Is he take—it doesn't matter what character, really. Mm -mm. But he's going to show us that person, and we're either going to love them or hate them. Uh But it's—I mean, usually, there is no, like, wasted, random character. Right. You're usually going to feel something for his character yes
0: and it's so funny you're absolutely right like even if like you even if they're kind of a super super minor character you still care about them I'm thinking about Billy Summers one of his Mm -hmm. friends that's toward the end of the book that we won't mention because spoilers but I cared so much about this person and like we saw him for like I don't know 25 pages out of 500 right and if you think
1: about that how does he do that I don't know. But he does it. If I could figure it out, I would be rich. He does it. (laughs) And that is why we're devoting a whole episode to Stephen King. Yes, yes, yes. But here's the other thing he does. And and I've read this from other authors that talked about him. He is not afraid to kill (gasps) his darlings. (gasps) Mm -hmm. And he does it. Yeah. And that is another thing about— You don't know who he's going to make you feel attached to. And then— Yeah, I guess I never thought
0: about that. I mean, you're absolutely right. That's part of the thrill of it, I guess, is like, you know that he will go there if he has. to. Yes,
1: he definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely will. (sighs) And that's all we can say about that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, if we link to one of his the the episode where his he lists his top five favorite books, mm-hmm. I want to encourage you not to listen to the beginning of that because he kind of tells you what happens halfway through the stand. He inadvertently spoils things a little bit. It's a really oh, funny yeah, off the yeah. cuff I remark. That. But I was like.
1: Okay. It kind of maybe,
0: okay. If you're particularly averse to spoilers, I am not because I don't remember anything.
1: So I'm like, oh, yeah. But you know what? I didn't know that was, I listened to that and I didn't know that was a spoiler, anyways. And I haven't read the stand yet. Okay. So maybe we'll cut that out because
0: I'm telling you that it is. So, like, okay. I guess I'm inadvertently spoiling.
1: Maybe we won't link to that. We won't link to that. We'll link to the mood reading. Yes. There's an article on Stephen King for mood readers about where to start with his book. So I'll say that at the end.
0: Okay. I'll say that at the end. Do you want to tell me about your final read?
1: I am. And you don't know what it is. I have no idea. Tell me. Do you have a guess? Do you have a guess? (gasps) Let me think.
0: I think you're going classic. I think you're going... Nope. Nope. (laughs) No. No, you're wrong.
1: (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. If It Bleeds is my third... Oh, never in a million would I have gotten that. No. Mm -mm. Okay. I decided to challenge myself with one of Stephen King's collections. So If It Bleeds is four novellas. Okay. Oh my gosh. It is a long, it's 450 pages or so. Wow. The reason I ended up choosing this, I wanted to pick a Stephen King that I could actually get through and finish and not one that you were already bringing, but the reason I chose this was because one of the novellas is a standalone sequel to The Outsider. Oh, no which way. I read the mm-hmm. I read The Outsider mm-hmm. with Ho- and Holly Gibney was in that. Holly Gibney was one of the characters that he brought in in Finders Keepers of the Mr. Mercedes trilogy. So that piqued my interest right there. And then I thought, why not challenge myself? I don't read short stories. Right. I don't read novellas. Mm-hmm. So this seems like the great time to do that. This is exactly why Stephen King is a hit or miss author for okay, me. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have four stories. The first is Mr. Harrington's phone. And I love the story so much. I loved it. And this was my favorite, actually, of the four stories in there. Mr. Harrington is a retired old man who once ran a successful business such that he is quite wealthy. His time is now spent being read to by young Craig. So Craig is a neighbor who lives close by. He's 13 or 14, and Mr. Harrington asks him if he would come read to him. During the holidays, Mr. Harrington gives Craig some lottery scratch-offs. Amazingly, Craig wins several thousand dollars and decides to buy Mr. Harrigan a new phone. These new phones called the iPhone have just been developed Mm -hmm. and have just hit the market. They are all the rage and Mr. Harrigan is anti-technology, but Craig talks him into learning and seeing how to access the internet and search for his stocks. Mr. Harrigan loves the stock market and he wants to teach Craig all about making money. This is not a spoiler. This is part of the story. When Mr. Harrigan passes away, things become very creepy as that particular iPhone ends up binding the two of them through eternity. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this is a story set over time too, because Craig grows up, but this is also, this hit me so much because- if you've ever lost someone, this story will hit you mm-hmm. because Craig loved Mr. Harrigan and he made such an impact on his life that when he was gone, Craig made choices that then he couldn't undo and the the phone had a way... there was something with the phone, I don't I, I'm not even going to say any more about that, but this is a topic that Stephen King ex, he explores Beyond the Grave, alternate universe. Oh, hello. And you know, Tina, I am (laughs) all about that. (laughs) But I loved it. I love, I, it was very sentimental. It was very thought inspiring because it's also a lot of be careful what you wish for. Yep. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. All right. Uh, That is my very favorite of this book. The next story was The Life of Chuck, which I DNF'd. (laughs) <laughs> there was so much repeat. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about my frustration sometimes with Stephen King. He repeated this phrase in the story "The Life oh, of Chuck." Mm-hmm. There was a phrase like Chuck was a news broadcaster who had this like quirky saying that he said on the news all the time, mm-hmm. and it was repeated fifty thousand times before I DNF'd. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Okay. And then the third story, If It Bleeds, was Holly Gibney. Oh, This is the okay. sequel to The Outsider. Yep. So first read the Mr. Mercedes trilogy. If you like that, give The Outsider a try and then give this story a try. I liked it. I didn't. I-, I liked it. I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I got to see what Holly was up to. She's very, very quirky. She is doing her own detective work. This is kind of her own standalone. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It didn't blow my mind, and the rat, or rat, was the fourth story, which I also DNF'd. So,
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna pause. We can't. I feel like short stories are a different entity than a, a book. Like his, well, like, this
1: main... I say short story, but I felt like these stories were never ending. Mm-hmm. Each one of them, they were super long, super super long. So at 450 pages divided mm-hmm. between four stories, yeah, that's a long. They were long, but I could not get into those two, but I absolutely loved Mr. Harrington's How film, strange. And I isn't that I mean So did it, you read this same, book? It's the same author. This is the book. What I'm well, what I'm telling are you. Are you
0: counting it as you read, even though you DNF'd?
1: Too. Yes, I'm <laughs> counting it. Absolutely. <laughs> I am counting it, yes. I'm going to count it only because it's me, me, myself, and I on my Goodreads. Right.
0: Oh, no. there's
1: <laughs> We're watching. But I am. But I wanted to bring this as an example and just to say this is sometimes how I feel. Like, I can absolutely love a Stephen King mm-hmm. and then not be able to get through a Stephen King. That's how, that's how it, it works for me mm-hmm. a lot of the times. If It Bleeds has high ratings on Goodreads. So give it a try. But I, I'm glad I tried it. Yeah, I'm interested. It's worth it to me for Mr. Harrington's phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would almost buy the entire book because I love that story so, so much. much. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do we have anything else to add about Stephen King? I
0: suppose not. I, I'm still, like, mad that you're calling him hit or miss because… <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: It is for… But that's, but that's he, a short story. I love him. That's a short story. But I love story. him. I'm I not think, calling it for that. I do think
0: that there are… Like his novellas and his short stories are a different thing. He's also got books under a different, like a pseudonym, Richard Bachman. Yeah. Are those counted in his main works? I th- I think so. Think so. Yeah.
1: I mean, I have, for this particular episode, I DNF'd two other books. Which ones? If you do McKee. Okay. Which I had always wanted to read. I I probably listened to that for two hours. and Didn't like it. I was like. Land the plane. I can't keep doing it. It's too long. It's too long for me to invest. Mm, And I'm sure you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It was just too long. And Bag of Bones, which I read many, many, many years ago when it came out Mm -hmm. in print. The and I, I think I told you. I try. I wanted to reread it because I love that book. I know I loved it according to my Goodreads, (laughs) but I didn't. I, I, I have no memory of that story. So I wanted to read it again, and so I decided to listen to it. Mm. And Stephen King narrates That's it, right. and that did not in any way, shape, or form work.
0: No, I don't think authors should narrate their own books 95% of the
1: time. It's not good. It, it didn't it's work. It's not
0: good. Yeah, I get, I get that.
1: But I remember loving that story. I just don't remember details about it. Okay, let's let's move on to shelf editions. My shelf edition is This Might Hurt by Stephanie
0: Robel. This comes out in February 2022. You might know the name Stephanie Robel because her previous book, Darling Rose Gold, was pretty buzzed about on Instagram. Okay. Now I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. In This Might Hurt, you have Natalie Collins, and she is a sister, but she hasn't heard from her sister in more than six months. The last time they spoke, Kit was... Logging from mundane workdays to obligatory happy hours, crying in the shower about their dead mother. She told Natalie she was sure there was something more out there, and then she found Wisewood. Wisewood is on a private island off the coast of Maine, and it's a resort. Its guests commit to six month stays, and during the six months, they're prohibited from contact with the rest of the world. They don't have internet, they don't have phones. And there are no exceptions. But the rules are for a good reason. It's to keep the guests focused on achieving true fearlessness so that they become their maximized selves. Okay, I'm smiling because it sounds like, (laughs) hi, you're in a cult. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I kind of like a cult book. Natalie thinks, hi, this is a bad idea. But Kit has had enough of her sister's cynicism and voluntarily disappears off the grid. Six months later, Natalie receives a menacing email from a Wisewood account threatening to reveal the secret she's been keeping from Kit. Natalie panics and hurries north to come clean to her sister before they can and to bring her home. But she is about to learn that Wisewood is not going to let either of them go without a fight. I picked this because I love the sound of it. It sounds like you're going to get sister dynamics, perhaps a locked room mystery, sprinkling of a cult. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I saw that Lindsay at The Opinionated Reader on Instagram enjoyed this, and I like her pick. So I was very intrigued. This one is This Might
1: Hurt by Stephanie Robel. Okay. Good. All right. Mine could not be more different from Stephen King if I tried, but I just felt like bringing something different. It is called 52 Ways to Walk. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 52 Ways to Walk comes out February 17th, 2022. The Surprising Science of Walking for Wellness and Joy, Ooh. One Week at a Time by Annabelle Streets. I chose this because I love to walk. I walk every single day if I can. And then give me a science based, like potential read where I can find out even more about why I should be walking. And I'm all for that. This is a short, user friendly guide to attaining the full range benefits that walking has to offer, physical, spiritual, and emotional, backed by the latest scientific research to inspire readers to develop a fulfilling walking lifestyle. I know I love it, but then I like to know the background Mm -hmm. of why I love it and why I'm benefiting from it and why I should keep doing it. Right. Absolutely. So that's why I chose this. It's 52 Ways to Walk. By Annabelle Street. I like this. I love a book that gives
0: us the science behind mm-hmm. why we should do something, but not in a preachy way, in an approachable, like little baby steps kind of way. And it sounds like this could be a very user-friendly guide.
1: I'm really curious mm-hmm. about this because I know that even when I don't feel like doing it, I will get in the car and I, you know, I go to a local park and I, I especially like to walk in the woods and no matter what I feel better 100%. after I do it mm-hmm. and I am all about finding out the science behind that nice all right well you'll have to <laughs> fill right. me in okay
0: all right that's it for today we thank you for spending a part of your day with us links to most of the books mentioned can be found in the show notes <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us out by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcasts out to new listeners and grows our audience. If you're interested in bonus content, please join us over on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash etc and for $5 a month... You'll get access to our bonus episodes, including Books We Disagree On and Books We DNF. You'll also get an invite to our private patron-only Facebook page and the ability to suggest upcoming episode topics for us. Now is a great time to join because in November, we'll be hosting a Mood Reader Happy Hour where all of our patrons
1: will get together on Zoom and share our latest reads. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketcetera at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at Book Talk, etc. on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc. and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember Everything's better with books.
0: Can you okay can you see me trying to desperately Yeah, um look at mine. Miss
1: empty Ish
0: Yeah, this was a Saturday afternoon delight. And uh It's so fun. It's- The most fun. Um, (laughs) I'm going to pause quickly. Can you Uh hear this lawnmower, Renee? It sounds like somebody is mowing down my house.